Good morning, New Lifers. Good morning. Um, my name is Susan Nolan, and um, if you're able, join me as we honor the God's Word. Today we're reading in Exodus 33, 7 through 11. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered his tent. Moses went into the tent. The pillar of the cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be to God. Lord, we pray to you now and, and ask you to wake us up, Lord. Speak to us. Your servants are listening. Lord, grow us into your disciples as we worship connect and serve. Lord, we are so grateful to you. We praise your holy name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all God's people shouted with joy. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The topic for this morning, I will tell you in just a few minutes, but I wanted to kind of recap this sermon series that we have been on. We've called it First Things, and we have talked about the things in Matthew 6, 33, where Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of heaven. And so what habits do we have whereby which we seek the Lord first? What are the habits we do that form us as the people of God? So we talked about community. Last week we talked about stewardship. We've talked about scripture. And today we're going to talk about something that I'll tell you in just a second, but a little more about this whole habit thing. There's resolutions and there's habits. Americans love the resolutions. Every uh, the beginning of the year, people in 2020 are like, all right, this year. I know last year I messed up my resolutions, but this year I resolve to fill in the blank. People are like, I, I resolve to whip myself into shape. Like, I'm going to get in shape this year. And gyms all over our country, right, for the first couple weeks, maybe even the first month of January, are chock full of people. And then February hits, and what happens? People forget the, the, the resolutions. A resolution is this, a firm decision to do something. So people make resolutions, and yet the habits don't then fit these resolves that people make. A friend of mine, Glenn Packham, do you know him? Pastor of New Life uh, downtown, Colorado Springs. Him and I were talking about resolutions and habits. And he, he's been reading this uh, book about some NBA star. He told me, but I'm not a big basketball fan, so I don't even know that I would know who it was. But he's reading this book, and this basketball uh, star, this NBA player, has a horrible f- uh, free throw it's like point rate. Like there, it's just a horrible ratio of how many shots made versus shots 
missed. It's it's horrible. And he was embarrassed. He was embarrassing his team. He was embarrassing himself on the court. And he had made resolutions. I need to get better at the free throws. And nothing was working until this basketball player decided, I am going to form a habit of practicing more. Every practice, after practice, I'm going to take 30 minutes. The whistle blows. Everybody goes off into the locker room. He's going to take every practice 30 minutes more and just work on his free throw. And guess what? Well, after a year, his percentage just went up. He's now a really good free throw player. And I think about the habits versus the resolutions. What habits do we do to form us as the people of God? And if you're listening to anything that I'm saying right now, I want to make this clear because I'm going to talk about a habit we do today in this sermon. And this habit or any habits we do as the church, as the people of God, they don't form us into like like saved people. We are saved by faith. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. We're not saved by works. We are saved by grace. And, and it's when we believe. So these things, I think you could come in and be like, oh, this church is very legalistic and, and what you have to do to be a member here or to be saved here. Like, no, 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 no. We're saved by faith. And yet, as we become the people of God, we are formed into his likeness by some of these habits. And so this is not going to be a shaming message. This is going to be an exciting message about, are you ready for today's topic? Drum roll. The Super Bowl! <laughs> Can you imagine a whole sermon? Oh, Lord, help us. Uh, sorry, redo the drum roll. We're going to talk about prayer this morning. Prayer. It's, it's, it's foundational to the Christian faith. I, I can't imagine a Christian who doesn't pray. I can't imagine a relationship with God where we don't communicate with Him. Today we are going to talk about prayer. And I'm pretty sure we could take a whole year, and maybe we will someday, and talk about prayer Sunday after Sunday. I listed a whole bunch of things that I could talk about. Today I'm going to make it Sunday School Simple. What prayer is and then how to pray. Two-point sermon should be easy, should be Sunday School Simple. What prayer is and then how to pray. But here's all the things that I got excited just listing. Oh, we could talk about spiritual warfare. We could talk about about prayer and fasting. We could talk about healing prayers. We could talk about the Lord's Prayer. We could talk about prayer walking. We could talk about a prayer language and speaking in tongues and praying that way. We could talk about unanswered prayers. We could talk about mind benders. Like what if God already knows what we're going to pray because he knows everything? Well, then why do we pray? How does prayer work? What's the theology of prayer? What's the history of prayer in the church through different movements? What is uh, prayer all about? I have all the these topics and today we're just going to make it Sunday school simple. What is it and how do we do it? I'm going to lead us through a prayer, kind of a prayer time and towards the end of this sermon we're not just going to talk about it but I'm going to lead us through the steps that I have for us. Sound good? Yes. All right. Amen, amen, and amen. The first point is this. Prayer is communion with God. What is it? Well, here's a Sunday school simple definition. Prayer is Communion with God. That's what it is. And I think that this 
picture of Moses. Susan Nolan read for us the passage in Exodus 33. And I think that image of the Lord speaking to Moses face to face and Moses ascending and going to this meeting, a tent of meeting, and then having a prayer time with the Lord and a pillar, this miraculous pillar of cloud showing up as Moses and the Lord speak face to face. I'm trying to think of like any other better image of prayer than that. And I don't think there is one. In all of religion, this is just my opinion. I may be getting too excited. Maybe I'm not getting excited enough. But this image of Moses praying face to face, a human being with the Lord as friends communicate, I can't think of any other image of what prayer should be and could be like. It says this in uh, Exodus 33 verse 11, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Pause and just think about that for just a minute. Have you had times with the Lord that you would say, you know what, that was awesome. It was like I was speaking to God face to face. I believe we can have this, that this thing between Moses and God isn't just a Moses and God thing, that we, through Jesus and the power of the resurrection, we can have this today. I think about um, speaking with someone face to face and as Americans, I think we really value our space, right? Like, don't, like, close talk. There's a whole Seinfeld episode about a close talker, and it's ridiculous. And I just think about, like, as Americans, we want our space, right? Like, you walk into an elevator, someone's on the left. Where do you go stand? Oh, you stand on the right. You give people their space. This is America, for goodness sakes. And this image of, of, of two people speaking face to face might feel a little awkward, but I can assure you, in other cultures, personal space is, is not, it's not even a thing. Like people, there's countries, especially in the Eastern, uh, where if, if you go into an elevator and someone is standing on the left, you are sociably obligated. Like why wouldn't you go stand next to this person? I know it's crazy to think that there's countries like that because we are so different in America, but there are places where personal space is not a thing. And so imagine that place, I know it might be hard to imagine, where two people really love each other. They really care about each other. Friends are speaking to each other, and this is how Moses and God are communicating. The breath, the beautiful breath, fragrant, wonderful breath of God as Moses and God are speaking. This is the image. This is the intimate image of communion with God. Here's some quotes for you. The most important thing in prayer is not saying your prayer, but becoming your prayer. And prayer is creating a space for the Spirit to work and he will. Prayer is communion with the Lord. It's communion with God. Let me give you um, two quotes from modern day theologians. This is, these are kind of nerdy. And so I will present to you a nerd alert in which you, if you're new to the congregation, you see a couple of new people, you're like, what is this church? Well, it's, it's about to get a whole nother level of weird. Because um, I'll say nerd alert, and then you all will make a, it's, it's, it's something we do. It's really weird. Um, so to be nerdy, I have two quotes for you. One by Carl Bart. People have said that, um, Carl Bart is, uh, the pre- preeminent scholar, theologian of the modern age. And he said this, he said to clasp the hands in prayer. I'll read it twice. To clasp the hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. 
It's like every prayer we pray is spiritual warfare. The most, uh, I'll say it again, the clasp the hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. Here's another quote as part of the same nerd alert, so we don't need to do that again. Uh, Eugene Peterson, uh, another modern-day scholar, uh, someone who has written many pastoral books, he translated the message paraphrase of the Bible. Some people love it because it's a paraphrase. Some people hate it because it's a paraphrase. But anyways, Eugene Peterson said this, and I absolutely love this quote or the idea that he says, prayer is not climbing a ladder to escape into space, but rather prayer is digging a hole into earth, into what the Lord is doing here and now. We don't pray to escape this world. We pray so that the kingdom would come and the Lord's will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven. I heard a definition um, years ago about prayer. It's, it's like a parable, I guess, sort of thing of like an old man who prays all day, every day. He's retired. He prays and people, his friends come up to him and say, why do you spend so much time in prayer? You must really have some things you need to repent of. And he's like, no, no, no. I just love prayer. He's like, well, well, what is it? His friends are asking, well, what do you do all day? You're just praying. He says, yes, prayer is sitting and lovingly looking at God as he sits and looks lovingly at me. And I just thought, Wow, I love that definition. And now that I'm much wiser and older in the faith, I love that definition even more. If anything today, you, you just get out of this message, a talk, a talk about prayer is an invitation to pray, like today or even now. Like, let's pray. Like, this is an invitation to communion with God. And when we pray, we are blessed. I think there's this image of blessed people that we have that, that people are always just walking, like get, always get in the first row parking spot. Like I had to drive around like three times and you got the first spot. Wow, you're blessed. Or someone just like reaching in their pockets like, hey, I just found a $20 bill. This is awesome. I'm blessed. Well, those are circumstances of like happiness and blessing. And that is an image of blessing. But then there's also a deep joy that comes despite circumstances that prayerful people are blessed people because they spend time with the Lord. Spending time with the Lord, communion with Him, prayer that the Lord Himself becomes your reward. A favorite verse I had uh, in my early college days was Genesis 15:1, where Abraham and God are having this conversation. And God says to Abraham, I will be your shield, I will be your very great reward. That the Lord himself will be the shield and will be the reward. To recap this image of Moses. So Moses goes to this prayer meeting. He goes to the tent of meeting. It must have been a little, it says it's a little ways outside of camp. And as he went there, everyone just stood in awe. They stood at their own tents watching this guy walk to this place of prayer. And there he would spend time. How much time? Well, it doesn't say. Was there is an hour, two hours? We don't know. But eventually what would sometimes happen is that a cloud of smoke would ascend, descend on this tent of meeting and people would stand in awe and then they would start worshiping. What a wonderful image 
of prayer. What a wonderful image of spending time with the Lord, this Moses who lived a long time ago, this prophet of old that we can all look up to and say, wow, Moses and God, they spent time with each other face to face. And yet, as the book of uh, the Pentateuch closes, as the Old Testament closes, it's like there has been prophecies. It's not like there has. There has been prophecies of someone who is going to come who is even greater than Moses, who will open up the doors, who will open up the floodgates and not just show a way, but to be the way to God. And friends, the good news is that this person has come in Jesus. And Jesus is not just pointing to the way like, oh, go, go do it that way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is our mediator. He is God himself, and he has opened up doors for us to be with him like face-to-face as one speaks to a friend. So how do you do this? How do you pray? I'm glad you asked. Here's the next point. uh, This is point number two, which we've broken down into four. So is this a four, five, six-point sermon? Is this a two-point sermon? I don't know. That's what's for you to decide. Um, Point number two is this, steps to form a prayer time. Many of you, um, I'm sure all of us that have been believers for even five minutes have prayed. Many of us have prayer times, and I want to go back like Sunday school basic. Here is a prayer time. I want to encourage you to do it, and then I'm going to give you some steps on ways to do a prayer time. It's going to be Sunday school simple this morning, and yet profound, and yet when we pray and we find communion with God, let this not be like, oh, this is just kid stuff. This is Sunday school. Well, this is a relationship with the Lord. So these steps, uh, these are not rules. These are not, this is how you have to do it. Instead, this is more like dance steps. If you're learning how to dance, you would learn dance steps. And and this is the best analogy that I have. This is a way to pray. This is not the way to pray. I think about, um, like, how do you have a conversation with your sister? Well, well, what do you mean? Like, what a weird thing to say. Like, what do you, like, how you, like, what's, what's the one best way to have a conversation with your sister? It's like, well, there's, there's thousands of different sisters. There's thousands, like, that's a silly question. But here's some guidelines, like, be kind. Don't be mean to your sister. Like, so here's, here's some steps. These are guidelines. There's as many ways to pray as there are Christians. And so these are just steps. These will help us form a habit. And you can do this at night. You can do this in the morning, uh, morning and night. This is a part of, uh, I think about like high church prayer. This is more like low church prayer. This is a relationship. This is something that I started doing years ago. And it's something that I, um, it's like being handed, if you're going to, if you're working construction, being handed some plans and a pencil and a tape measure, you would welcome these things. You're like, yeah, sure, let, let, let's, let's see what you got here. Let's begin to form this thing. And the thing that we're forming is, once again, communion with the Lord. And this, these steps that I'm going to go through, um, these, I think about some of my prayer times, and I think about a, a dry spell I went through, maybe around December, like this being stressed for like Christmas and uh, things and like the New Year's coming. And I remember uh, for me, mornings is when I pray. I wake up early, I pray. <clears throat> and for a, quite a few weeks, my prayer times had just gotten so distracted. Do you know what I'm talking about? 
Anybody? They have no idea, do you? You're never distracted at all. It, my prayer, it was like me, like, okay, I'm here to pray, and I have this, like, uh, oh, I'm in the middle of a, of a calm lake. The, the sun is coming up, and I'm praying. It's just me and God, and then, wham, like a speedboat comes going by, and for, like, the next five minutes, there's, like, waves, and I'm, I'm holding on, thinking about other things. I'm pulling out my laptop. Oh, I got to do this. I got to make a list. I got to make a task list. Wait, what was I doing again? I'm supposed to be praying. And they're like, oh, yeah, okay, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. God, God, thank you. And then here's another speed bump. I'm sure you have no idea. That never happens to any of you. I'm sure you lead prayer lives that are completely undistracted. I'm kidding. I think in my prayer life, I would honestly say like distraction and quickly coming over. Like I was praying two seconds ago. Now I'm thinking about like Minecraft and the internet and and cheese and then like a, a tornado, a tornado of cheese and a Minecraft game. Like, wow, how did I get here? I have no idea. Ah, Lord, help us. So this helps me. So going back to my distracted, uh, at least a couple weeks of prayer, just like looking back and, and being vulnerable, like, oh man, it was a rough mornings every day, just being so distracted. I remembered this, like I've actually given this sermon before, and I remembered these steps. It's like, I'm going to start doing this. And so back in December, I started redoing this as a part of my prayer life, and it's gotten me back on track. So here it is. This is a way to pray. This is some guideline. This is some dance steps. So here it is. Uh, We'll put it up on the board. It's P-R-A-Y, the acronym, and pause, praise, repent, uh, rejoice, ask, yield. And you might look at this and be like, you went to seminary? This is the best you got? (laughs) Yes, this is the best I got. This actually works. Like, it's so simple. It leads us through something. It's, it's very, like, you could do this. You could do a 15-minute version of this. You can do an hour-long version of this. You could do a five-minute, four-minute version of this. And for me, I know it's simple. I know I have a doctorate. I should have something much deeper and better for you than this. But this is what I have. And it's beautiful. And I will lead us through it uh, by talking about it. And then I'll lead us through it as we pray. But I remember first falling in love with like extended prayer. Uh, I remember hearing about some college friends of mine were going to a prayer meeting that was an hour long. Can you imagine? Some of you are like, what? Well, you're just getting warmed up. Like an hour is nothing. At the time, I was like, an hour? Like, do we get a bathroom break? Do I need to bring some power bars? An hour of prayer? Like, wow, you guys really pray for an hour? And they're like, yeah, every Sunday night, you're invited. And I was like, really? Like, you really do this? The bathroom breaks? I was really concerned about the bathroom breaks. And they said, yes, just join us. It's awesome. And I went semi-unwillingly. It was all new to me, an extended prayer time like this. And I went, and what they did is they worked through this P-R-A-Y thing. They took 15 minutes for each one, and it was awesome. Somebody brought a boom box with these things called CDs. Do you remember CDs? I'm sure it's been a while since you've seen one, but this person would put on, like the first word is P, praise. We'll get right into it. So the first point is to, to praise and to pause. And so the, the very first um, 15 minutes, this person would put on a CD of very prayerful, pause-ish, 
uh, music that, that led into stillness and songs that were about praise. It's just this person, the, whoever was prayer leading, they picked the songs and they just said, let's spend 15 minutes pausing and praising the Lord. What a great way to start a prayer uh, time with the Lord. I think about starting any conversation with pausing and, and just praising the other person. Like if you're talking to another person, it's good to just pause. It's good to get your bearings. Instead of, like I have four little boys, I'll get home from work or even sometimes like I'll be gone a night or more and I'll come home and the kids, they're just kids. So they instantly just like, dad, dad, Rowan threw something down the toilet. Now the toilet's clogged and Rowan hit me. Max isn't wearing pants. Blah, blah. Dad, dad, do something. And it's like, Whoa. Whoa, what is going on? How about a hug? How about hi, Dad? I'm like, calm down. And I think, wouldn't it be awesome if we approached prayer by first pausing and praising the Lord? Here's some helpful things that I do to pause. I have a place where I pray. I get into a position of prayer. I get my laptop and my phone as far away from me as I can. I try to relax. I try to breathe uh, well. It's not like an Eastern Hindu thing. It's just breathing. If you have a problem with breathing, well, that's weird. Like, just breathe, relax, pause. I, I sometimes say there's the prayer of the tax collector in the parable that Jesus says that this tax collector just prays, Lord Jesus, or he just prays, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And so I will pray this as kind of a something to say and get my mouth working to pray to the Lord. Uh, so I often get away. Every once a month, my wife will watch the kids and I will get away. I usually go camping, froze my tail off last month. But once a month, I, I get away and I just uh, get into the outdoors for me, that's where I like to be, and I just pray, and I slow way down for an extended prayer night, and that's really helpful. Some of people can't get away, and I always think of this very beautiful example of this woman named Susanna Wesley, who was John and Charles Wesley's mom. Um, <clears throat> they had 11 kids, and they all became these powerhouses of Christians. John Wesley became uh, the founder of like the Great Awakening in the, in the, in the early uh, history of the United States. Charles Wesley wrote who knows how many hymns and songs of praise, but their mom was this powerhouse of prayer. She couldn't get out. She couldn't just go on a retreat. She had 11 kids. Like I can't imagine. I have four kids. I don't even know. What's, what's the four to 11? What is that? Six, eight? Like how, I have no idea. Like that's way too many kids uh, for one person to have any kind of a prayer life, you would think. And yet Susanna Wesley wrote books on prayer. She recorded her prayers. Her technique was very unusual. I would, would have loved to see this, but she would take her apron and sit at the kitchen table and put her apron over her head in the midst of 11 kids screaming and running around. That was mom's prayer time. And you didn't interrupt mom's prayer time. And I just think about like pausing, praising the Lord. How can we be people of peace if we are not people of peace? How can we bring peace if we ourselves are not people of peace? So we pause and we praise the Lord. Point two is this. We're going to go kind of quick now. We take time and we repent. And after we have repented, we rejoice. Well, why do we rejoice? Well, because we've been forgiven. First John 
1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purifies us from all unrighteousness. Did you hear that? Like, if we confess, he will forgive us. Can I get an amen? Like, this is the good news. This is the gospel. So when we are in prayer, we say we're sorry. Lord, as, as many sins that come to our mind, we say, Lord, would you cover those sins? We confess them. And though we, we believe that you are faithful to cover us and to forgive us of our sins. And we are forgiven. And then we rejoice. That's my favorite part of, of doing this P-R-A-Y thing. Which it's not mine. I, I got it from somebody else as I told you. And I've heard it taught in other places. So this is just as, as simple as it is. It's very effective. And my favorite part is the rejoicing. Thinking of the sins I've committed Asking the Lord to forgive and then rejoicing. Thank you, Lord, that you have forgiven me. Third is this. We come to the Lord asking him. Asking him for things that we need. And note that this is third. I think a lot of us, I've been guilty of this at times, of just coming to the Lord in prayer when we need something. I think that's a lot of us. That's unfortunately a lot of prayer life in the people um, especially people who are maybe on the verge of, of, of the church or just looking into the church and wondering what it's all about. In the midst of crisis is when people will pray. And I think about that as like someone who has a neighbor. So some of you, this is going to be very all too real. But uh, imagine you have a neighbor across the road and for 10 years you live next to this neighbor. For 10 years you wave to them as they're like going into the garage and their garage door shutting. You wave to them as you're driving by and you go into your garage. And for 10 years, you've known this neighbor for 10 years and you've never had a conversation. You're always smiling. You're always waving. You have no idea what their name is. Does this ring a bell to anybody? No, too, too, too soon, too close to home. Well, imagine this circumstance and then crisis hits your house. I can't imagine what crisis, uh, but imagine like a health thing. Like your, your child is in desperate need of, of going to the doctor and you need to pay this medical bill and you are in need of a huge amount of $20,000. Like you need it right now or else your child could die. Just like a huge legitimate crisis and you're just panicked. You go running over to your neighbor's house and you knock on your neighbor's door and the door opens and this is the first conversation you will have had in 10 years and you just blurt out, but I need $20,000, can you give me $20,000? They would probably say, who who are you again? It's like, I'm your neighbor, I've lived across the street for 10 years, I need $20,000. They would probably, in like this circumstance, they would probably just send you away as some crazy person, Right. But I think the grace of the Lord is this, that that the Lord wants us to come to him. I imagine like us knocking on the door of the Lord and him opening it up and saying, come in, let let me get my checkbook and why don't you sit down? Let's talk. Let's, Let's find out what's going on. Let's have some tea. And then you would be like, wait, are you serious? Like, like you're going to answer this prayer. I can really come to you in this crisis. And then you would be thinking, I imagine I should have came over a long time ago. I shouldn't just be like, oh, waving from a distance. But instead, this neighbor wants to get to know you. The Lord wants to get to know you. Don't wait until there's a crisis to begin a prayer life. Begin a prayer life now. This asking, asking is personal. I wrote this down. Wishing is distant. We're not asking God to do something so that we don't have to do it. Instead, we are asking things that line up with his 
will. The good news is that we can come to the Lord and ask him for things. And this is what he wants. He tells us this crazy story of the persistent widow. Do you know this uh, parable? It's a very odd parable whereby which there's the mean judge. And and God is not a mean judge. And he's sick of this lady that keeps bugging the judge. It's It's a very... Kind of a harsh parable. It's like a mean judge and a lady that really needs justice, a widow. And the lady keeps asking. The lady keeps asking. The lady keeps asking. And Jesus says, in this parable, the judge, being a mean judge, will grant this lady her request because he just wants to get rid of her. And he goes on to say, how much more does a loving, good God want us to present requests to him so that he can answer us? The last thing is this. In this um, prayer time, we yield. We slow down and we then listen to the Lord. The good news is that the Lord has spoken. The great news is that the Lord is speaking. Someone greater than Moses has come to this world, Jesus Christ, fully God, fully human, and he is now the one who hears our prayers. He is not pointing to the way, saying it's over there, go over there. He's saying, I am the way, and he wants communion with us. He wants to be with us face to face as two friends are talking. The Lord wants to speak to us. Are we listening? I want to invite us now to kind of go through this prayer. I want to invite you to stand, and the band, you can come up now. But I want to just quickly go through the praise, repent, asking, and yielding. We'll start off just pausing. And so, Lord, we pause before you now. But we praise you for the things you've done in our lives. We think of the, the wonderful Psalms in the Bible like, praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who minister in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who is the maker of heaven and earth. And so, Lord, we pause and we praise you. We begin our prayers to you in this way, Lord, greeting you in the way that you deserve, greeting you by, by a hug, greeting you by declaring your name over us that you are holy and good and awesome. And so, Lord, we praise you.